Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. Southkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. We broadcast daily here, our fantastic studio, here with 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They have the James Ownby uh, Reserve uh, here as well, the Whiskey Reserve that we have, uh, quite frankly, we haven't tried on air. We, we did a cheers together at our previous location and uh, with, with Blackbird. We should sorry, try to do that here. Uh I'll kick 360 rolls on. Um, and we should also, I was just out uh, grabbing some uh, something to drink during the break and noticed those igloos. You know, they've got the igloos during the winter months where you can uh, yes, reserve yes. You can reserve them as a, a group go inside. Like one's like Dolly Parton themed. Oh, I didn't know they were um, themed. One is like a winter forest inside. They, they've really done a really nice job outside in the beer garden during the winter months. We should absolutely do a show uh, or a podcast or something from an igloo. We weren't trying to leave you out, but Chad and I had, uh, <clears throat> during our snow day, had a plot to uh, go into one of those and take some photos, and then things got away from us, and we were off to our uh, <laughs> We were our sledding. <laughs> we were yeah. sledding. Yeah, we there. were skating across we, downtown we, Nashville. We talked a big game, and then <laughs> when it came time <laughs> to go out there, well, we just well, we, we posted it. pictures and uh, even some of the ownership here at Six and Peabody said, well, these are beautiful pictures with the snow falling and it was closed on Thursday here. And Paul and I were just gazing out at those igloos and all the snow falling on top of the igloos. I said, I'd love to get a picture from inside of the igloo if we went outside. I, I like, didn't know yeah, if an yeah, alarm was going to be tripped, though, if I walked outside was the problem. But I wanted to go in and go into the snow-covered igloo and take a photo looking up. I didn't tell snow. you it's guys like of my... If the alarm goes off, we blame Jacob Swanson. Right. You guys know how it goes. Well, it's usually his fault. I didn't tell you of my near travel disaster off on the heels of our uh, stay at the hotel. So we stayed at the hotel Thursday night into Friday. Mm-hmm. So we all threw a bag together for that trip with minimalistic clothes, right? Right. <clears throat> and so when my flight time came around on Saturday, I could not find my wallet. Anywhere. This is as I'm leaving the house. I always drop my wallet, my keys at the same spot coming in from the garage. Keys are there. Wallet is not there. And I'm leaving at a precise time. You guys know I time out my travel very precisely. So I make the house announcement. Wallet is missing. Wallet is missing. (laughs) So we all start looking for my my wallet. Sure they love that. Um, Complete panic. Turning the house upside down. Not finding the wallet anywhere. Simon, of course, is in the middle of a video game. Uh, 15-minute search for the wallet. We don't turn up the wallet at all. Light bulb goes out for me. I say, uh, passport. Where's my passport? Teresa digs out my passport. I'm covered to get on the plane with the passport. Teresa gives me a credit card. I have no cash. Simon is the only one in the house that ever has any cash. Simon, get down here. We need your wallet. Why? Why? No questions about why. Just get down here. Bring your wallet. (laughs) So I'm taking like 25 bucks out of his wallet. Why? He's asking why, why? We're like, we have no time for any questions. We're not taking any questions. Just bring me the wallet. I need the money. Get the money out of the wallet. Get, so I get on the flight. Everything's fine, right? 
Rex Road, Joe Rex Road of The Athletic is on my flight. We're texting a little bit about if we want to get something to eat. We make plans to go to El Tiempo, our place in Houston, oh, yeah. right? He's like, do you have a car or do you want to run? I'm like, I have a car. Everything's fine. I'll meet you there. So I, I take the shuttle bus to National to get my car, pull up to the thing, pull out my passport to show the woman. Well, they don't give you a car with a the passport. They give you a car with a driver's license. Mm. Back the car up, park the car, call an Uber. Take an Uber to go meet Rex Road, eat my, my great Mexican food. So, Did you have enough cash for dinner? Well, I used Teresa's credit card. So okay. nobody, nobody's looking at the name of the credit card, right? <laughs> well, that's true. So Teresa texts me. And she says, your last use of the credit card was for whatever. You know, I bought like uh, Ritz Bits or whatever to bring here that day at the counter, which I knew at the counter of the hotel. I knew that's where I used it, and I quickly flashed. Which is now just referred to as our hotel. Right, our since hotel. we stayed there the one night. So I quickly flashed to what I was First wearing. Spot. I was wearing a hoodie, which is the one extra thing I threw in the bag. So I had put on a hoodie that morning. I said, "My wallet's in the pocket of that PK.com hoodie that's in my basket in my closet." And two seconds later, she sent me a picture of the wallet. See, I saw you that morning in our hotel. I was uh, wearing breakfast, the hoodie, and time. you were wearing the hoodie. I didn't recognize you at first because you almost had you. I think you had the hood up, or you had a beanie on. And I hear Chief, and I look over, and it was you. And I could even see I was now that you tell a story. European woman. Well, I could see where I feel like your hands were in the pockets of the hoodie. Like you could have been playing with your wallet. I might have. That was in the pockets of the hoodie. At I should have consulted with you. You would have told me. Where well, it's the funny because we heard about it from Reed, who said he got a panic text from you about if he could get I into the studio or not. I left it here on Saturday night, and, he, and Reed was thinking. How did you get on the plane if you didn't have your wallet? Pass, passport. Though. Now we know. So just take that as a lesson. You can get on a plane with the passport, but you ain't getting your rental car. Very, very educational. Lucrative, lucrative time for Uber in Houston. How did you know she was a European woman? I just had a strong sense. The hair on her sense. legs or her accent? No, no, no. She <laughs> was, you had a strong scent? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, sense. Oh, okay. Strong sense. She because seemed, that's how I tell uh, most people seemed, you're being. Uh, Scandinavian. <laughs> I thought she was Scandinavian. She was reading a book. She had a lot of time on her hands. She was very casual. She was sitting on the sofa with her breakfast rather than at a table. That strikes me as European. <laughs> she was reading Viking history? What was she reading? No, she was reading a what novel. What tipped you off that she's Norwegian? She was reading a novel. Okay. Um, a I think language? she was European. <laughs> no. And then I went to try to get a refill of a breakfast item. She just looked she, like a socialist. And then, and then she was gone. <laughs> Never very to be seen again. Yeah. Never to be seen again. But not with my wallet. Paul, uh, you uh, were you over at Titans this morning? I was. They had availability. I was. Uh, or this afternoon, whatever we want to say. I'm not sure yeah, the exact right, time. 12.30. Nonetheless. 12.30 uh, is the exact time. Kevin Byard had the best quote of the day. Kevin Byard had a great quote of the day, uh, which he said, when we were in the playoffs in 2019 against the Ravens, they were the number one seed. And we went up there and destroyed them boys pretty much for the entire game. So we, want, we don't want to go out there with that type of mentality. Hey, we got a week off. We've got a home game. That stuff doesn't matter once they kick the ball off. So remaining conscious of this idea that, um, you know, number one seed doesn't, doesn't win you the game. And the Ravens did a terrible job being ready for the Titans in 2019 when the Titans came as a heavy underdog uh, to M&T Bank Stadium, well, that, whatever the hell it's called. And that is, um, that's exactly the reason why – some people would say you don't like Keith Bullock, former Titans linebacker, Keith Bullock, also Giants linebacker. He didn't necessarily think it was a great idea to have a bye week because he would, I mean, he would know he saw the team in 2008. He's the, the, the last time they have the number one seed was 13 years ago 
where they lost to Baltimore, going back to the Baltimore yeah. tie-in, and they had the week off, and they came out with this it, and done it a twice. malaise. They, they turned the football over, I think, three times in the red zone that day. And I, I'll never forget the Algie, Algie Crumpler, Crumpler dive and the fumble. Chris Johnson. But they, they had other issues. Chris Johnson got hurt in that game, too. He got too, his right? ankle twisted. Yeah, yeah they went after the him and injured him. Um, but, you know, the, the, Ravens, the Ravens that night, uh, two years ago, there was uh, there's a buzz and a I mean the Ra- Ravens fans elect. were ready to go and this was Lamar Jackson's MVP unanimous vote season and Dean Pease and that defense had a plan for him that shut him down they were down double digits quick and there was this feeling like well that's all she wrote like Titan, they, they Titan figured it out two that was quick the blueprint touchdowns and but post but. Uh, there, there is a thought, and I, I brought this up on Monday. I don't know if you agree or disagree. We're, we're, we're looking ahead and coming up. I'm going to look at matchups we want to see in the in the divisional playoffs. They asked me on uh, News Channel Five Sunday night. They said, "What what matchup do you foresee on the on the path to the Super Bowl? Not the Super Bowl matchup, but the path to the Super Bowl to being the most difficult for the Titans." And I said, "To me, it's it doesn't matter who it is, other than Pittsburgh. To me, it's the first game." I I would be I'm more comfortable saying if they play Kansas City or Buffalo in the in the championship game they'll be in a rhythm. This is Henry coming into his first game, which again I'm on board with him not playing last Sunday. Um, so he's coming in with two more weeks of rest. First game though, um, traditionally we we spent a lot of time on this in the off season. And we saw it again this year. He didn't do very much in the preseason, and Arizona shut him down in Week One. Um, now week two in Seattle is a different story, but week one, they didn't get the run game going. They didn't control the Titan style and mentality of that game. And by the way, everyone's healthy for that game. Um, point being, that's not the only, but you have a, another team that's coming in on a roll. If the Raiders right. end up being the team, they've won four straight. That'll make it five straight. They'll be coming in. That would mean Josh Jacobs is running the football. Well, Derek Carr is not turning the football over and they're getting after the quarterback. You could have Joe Burrow, who is one of the hottest quarterbacks uh, throwing the football right now in, in the NFL with two legitimate wide receivers and Joe Mixon at tailback, plus a Cincinnati defense that had one last sack than the Titans defense did this year. I can keep going here. New England, again, I, I think it, it, to me it's the, it's the first matchup speaking to what Bayer is talking about, and I don't think you can just talk yourself into not coming out with some no, type you can't. of... Right, it's just uh, it, one team comes in ready to go, and the other team's got to gear back up. However, however, given a choice, this this coach and this staff does really well off of long term rest, bye weeks, mini bye weeks, ten and two, whatever if, it if might you be. Include opening day, ten and two, which is really good. Uh, I get what you're saying, and and there's a dilemma there. But give, given a oh, choice between it. the week or not, yeah, it, you, you take it. it. You take it. And you hope that that malaise or whatever, I don't want to call it malaise. You hope whatever whatever the word is for that thing, you hope you overcome it in a couple series and that you're not down. But the odds are <clears throat> your opponent comes out better than you do. You hope over the course of 60 minutes right. that, that the bye week pays, pays off. My theory, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this a little bit, I would want the Patriots. Uh, and the Patriots are six. Pittsburgh's not winning. So Patriots are, are, you know, if they win, they're the team. Um, I give them a good chance against the Bills. We mentioned it a little bit with Dockage. Patriots have the least good quarterback. Not that Mac Jones can't be good. Inexperienced, you know, rookie. Um, he's beaten you once. Um, 
there's no fear of Belichick in, the, in this team, particularly from Vrabel, who's had good success against him previously. That was the only loss to them up there this season. You'll be healthier. You'll have them at home. You'll be pass rushing with your your solid front four against the quarterback who's seen them once. But uh, I, I just think it would be the, the best matchup. And I go largely on quarterbacks. I want the weakest quarterback you can get. And in this playoff field in the AFC, he's pretty clearly it. Other um, than Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger yeah, is the Roth- worst quarterback be, the Titans faced all year. Yeah, Roethlisberger is going to be gone. I, I'm giving that no doubt. I mean, if you could get Pittsburgh, you want Pittsburgh, obviously. Out of the realistic possibilities, I, I think it's it's New England. I know that's a little bit crazy to say, but I hate go giving all our storylines to local media that'll run with this uh, as they follow along with the show and do it. You know, next week if New England ends up being the the storyline, I will say uh, we're talking about Bill Belichick, who we have not seen um, the Titans. We haven't seen Belichick go against the Titans twice in a season after a loss. They've had very good success uh, against Belichick and the the idea of going to New England and overcoming what all the banners and all that stuff. But if New England's the team, that would have meant that they got the best game plan that they could come up with in terrible conditions and won against Buffalo. In normal conditions, Buffalo got them, and then Belichick in round three got them again. And so what would happen in round two against a Titans team that they've seen once? Um, and and there's a possibility but, but, that could be terrible conditions again Saturday night. In yeah, Buffalo. but the, the wind's going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be cold, but the, it's there's not going to be 60 mile per hour winds on Saturday. And both teams uh, should be good and cold. I mean, I they, think they're calling for like nothing, three or it's four, uh, three or four degrees is the is the low extreme. or high that night, whatever it might be. It's going to be cold, but it's not going to be wind. I like this idea that the Titans are doing right now. Vrabel mentioned it on Monday kind of between the position coach coordinator Vrabel and a guy himself coming up with one thing every guy can do better. And so uh, Bayard said his thing is his eyes. You know, it could always be better with his eyes, concentrating on his eyes this week. But Vrabel said today, you know, uh, yeah, we're coming up with stuff for the guy, but also we're asking the guy what his thing is. And we're hoping that the two would match up. That would be ideal, right? If I've got something in mind for you, Hut, but I ask you what your thing is, and you say the same thing to me, then we're really on the same page. We're seeing the same thing. Yeah. We're thinking the same thing about your game. And so they're doing that. Titans will be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They come back Sunday when they may have already learned about their opponent or they will be learning about their opponent. So the week shaped a little differently than traditionally what they would have off, which would be more like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So... um they they finished their work today, um, and we'll have three days to rest up. Lots of guys will be in the facility for training stuff, for workout stuff, but nothing formal for the next three days. I am. Uh, I think the storyline over the next three days is, and I, I would be fascinated to be a fly on the wall, but just get the behind-the-scenes story. I, I hope someone does this. How the coaches are, and sc- scouting staff, how they're going about preparing for four possible opponents. They've played... All they've played everybody in the field but two, but now you've got three days where the players aren't going to be there. So how are you? How are they going about building plans for each possible opponent? And how much time are they spending on the two that they haven't seen, which would be the Raiders and who am I leaving out? The Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, he um, said. But how much time do you spend on Pittsburgh? Pretty much knowing what we all know that 
they're going to be going home well, this I, week. He, you know, I don't know. He doesn't talk that specifically. That's what I think you're going to know on Saturday night playing. who they're playing. No, uh, the the NFL gave them an indication they're not going to know till Sunday. Game time, but the, but based on the season, I'm talking about winning, the the, uh, the opponent. opponent. I feel like we're going to know winner of Cincinnati Vegas, and if New England upsets, it's going to be New England unless you think Pittsburgh has a chance. Yeah. So so you'll know a po- he opponent, made it is what I'm sound saying. though like they're pretty comfortable with the teams that they've played already. So I'm sure they've got people reviewing that, but more heavily on the two that they didn't play. And I think that, you know, they'll do plenty of stuff, but that they're not, they, they won't go overboard until they know who it is. They feel like they've got enough time for that. So they'll be looking at stuff, but not intensely. Like they're not doing six game plans or four game plans for the potential teams that they could see. I don't know what they're doing at the facility then over the next three days because you know they're not leaving. They're not going home. I think they will have a little bit of time off the coaches. Not not all three days, but some. But not like the players. I mean, they're going to be – when the players come back, it's go time. Yeah, so. but I still think it might be some of their own stuff. Like on third and whatever, we've – you know, ten, ten, Tendency stuff, which uh, they're great at discovering because they're 10 and 2. A lot of people very conveniently are calling them 8 and 0 during coming off buys and stuff and some for some reason ignoring opening day stuff which I think applies to me, but they've lost two opening Oh, it day definitely things, applies. So they want it to be 8-0 instead of 10-2 because it looks nicer. Well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> uh, Ken Wisenhut was great in opening day uh, uh, football. I think he was 2-0 in his time. Frabel's definitely got a knack. This, this is more different than anything because he doesn't have opponent preparation time built in to the mini-buy or the buy. He's always known who the next opponent That's is. That's right. This is different than that. But he knows how to use the rest time. He's coming up with something clever here in terms of talking to each guy um, and, and all of that. So, look, they know how to use extra time um, and load management and all of that. Two interesting things about Derrick Henry I want to get into when we come back. I know we have a lot of other stuff on the docket as well. Yeah, we'll talk Henry. We will talk uh, the potential playoff matchups and really the divisional matchups that we want to see. Not the uh, tomorrow and moving forward, we'll talk about the best potential matchups that the teams with the buys would want to see. But from just the pure solid football divisional round, what are the best games to set up the conference championship matchups in a couple of weeks? We'll give you the latest coaching news and search info across the NFL. Which of the teams that currently are searching for a coach is best set up to succeed? There are a lot of people that would point to the Denver Broncos. But there's some news this week that, to me, makes them not as appealing as what they were a week ago. Plus, there is salt on the wounds for Colts fans. We'll explain coming up on OutKick 360. NFL divisional matchups we want to see a week from now. That's coming up in a couple of minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yob here and Old Smoky Moonshine. First, though, Paul, some thoughts on... Derrick Henry. Well, I had two thoughts based on reports that came out over the weekend. Uh, Ed Werder, who I saw at the game, who I'm, I'm friendly with, uh, he had tweeted earlier uh, in, in Houston, he was at the game reporting, said, a source said the Titans were not close to activating Derrick Henry. Head coach Mike Vrabel told me if he was ready to play, we would put him out there. We're going to continue to work and practice. That's why they have a 21-day window. He just wasn't ready to come back. That simple. 
so I, I tweeted, I'm not sure why Ed needed the source when Vrabel spoke to him. I asked Ed that myself, and he said, I thought it was really significant what the source said, that he wasn't close. Vrabel didn't say that. Somebody else said that. So well, that he wasn't close. And then Breer, who also talked to Vrabel, a lot of people getting to talk to Vrabel privately about Derrick Henry when he's not saying much about Derrick Henry to the press corps that covers him every single day. Um, he said he didn't take a single snap with the first team. Hasn't taken a snap with the first team yet, which means last week in those practices after the individual periods, they knew he wasn't playing because he didn't take a single snap with the first team. So let me go back to the first port uh, on on Ed's comment there. And I don't disagree with, with his source. Like he wasn't ready to play, but that doesn't mean he's not like ready to play so, so let me let me explain. They were not close to if activating they, him. If they wanted, that means their mindset was we're not activating. Here's him to well, me. here's why I thought the whole time that they're not playing him. Like there's, if you want to play him to knock the rust off in the final week of the season, you activate him the week prior and allow him more time to practice with the team and get ready to really put the pads on in the final week, and then you go into the postseason because you know you're going to activate him. In this case. The way it was set up, they knew if they won, they were getting the one seed, and they they didn't activate him the week prior, which told me they were the plan was to activate him going into the postseason. They activated him when they did to get him ready for wild card weekend if they had to play, instead of them practicing three days and then rolling him out there. Now they've got three weeks until he's going to actually play. That was a the indication when they activated him last Wednesday, to me, they didn't say this, was if we screw up in Houston, the dude's going to be ready to play week one of the postseason. That's uh, how I took uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I take it the same way. I think uh, the difference... Not, not, to not me, that he's not healthy enough to To play. me, some people were taking that not close and making it like it was not close physically. <laughs> right. When it that. was not close to activating, which is a big difference. But... So so not close to activating was the lesser part of what he had. The source said he was not close to they were not close to activating him. That's fine cuz they they weren't going to activate him. I get that. But Vrabel saying if he was ready to play we'd put him out there. So he's saying that he wasn't ready to play. That was more interesting to me. That they found him not to be ready to play according to Vrabel. Yeah, I again I think you have to take it as how, what would be the reasoning behind that? Because like, they don't want them to be it's ready. It's a 21 to play. day window. I, if you need him 14 days from now, they can activate him. But again, like you, you don't want to make a roster move in week seven or week 17 or week 18 unless you absolutely have to, especially at the running back position, if you don't want to play him. So you're not going to activate him to practice with the team until a week before you would possibly play him which all along was wild card weekend. Yeah, and I think it all boils down to ideally we have two more weeks here, which right. is how it's Best case scenario. Worst out. case, he's playing this weekend, which they don't have to and do. And also they make the Jeremy McNichols move there to set themselves up to play Hilliard as the third down back in Houston. That was the big prep for Derrick Henry's return to me. Then they activate Willis, who gets a bonehead special teams play. I don't know if you heard um, – I asked uh, Ackerman this yesterday. Ackerman comes on. You know, the first question he takes is about <laughs> is about Nick Zubnar's big tackle on the beginning thing. He said, "Yeah, that really set the tone for us." Zubnar's tackle. 
I got out. He was all enthusiastic. Zubnar's tackle really set the tone for us. I said, what kind of tone did it set for you when the next two plays on special teams were penalties? You got a penalty <laughs> from Willis. You got a penalty <laughs> from Chris Jackson. And then you had a drive-by by Racy McMath. So can you explain to me the tone? What was we, the answer? The last yeah, we, we can't. We can't. I mean, we're not looking to get uh, fouls, obviously. You know, but I mean, he's all jolly about the tone. Thank you for asking me about that big first tackle. After which we got two penalties was set, and, and a guy ran downhill. straight by the ball carrier. Yeah, what a great tone. <laughs> this is the tone that we want on that. But what I, the, the next two plays, Paul, were examples of the tone we don't, don't want. want. That's yeah. what he was trying to tell. Did you, you did you talk to Ed Werder about his travel to get to Houston? It was just no. pure misery. He was documenting it. It was misery for I heard, the Titans. I, I read about the pocket square. <laughs> the pocket square. That was part of it. The pocket square. But he also had like... Uh, Ed's it, a great guy. Getting a, you know, trying to get get around to just get to Houston uh, and how the communication with the airlines is just crazy. The Titans also had trouble getting to Houston. Apparently, there was bad weather. Really bad there, weather. There was a, they, a, a tornado siren in the middle of the night. I didn't really know what to do. I was on the fourth floor. I was like, do I like throw on a half zip and, and go down to the lobby? So, um, as I understand <laughs> you got a it... a basement in this joint? <laughs> yeah. What'd you end up doing, by the way? Went back to bed. <laughs> so, as I understand it, the, uh, the the storm was going on as the Titans are trying, or scheduled to land in Houston. And they stayed above the storm and circled for an hour. Fun. But the... And we never heard about the travel delays or anything like that because, again, like they ended up landing in Houston. But they were two minutes away from landing in Austin oh. and then busing to Houston because whenever they were here in Nashville, for whatever reason, the flight could not fuel up totally based on what was available to the plane. I, 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 don't, I don't understand all that, but um, they didn't have enough fuel. They, they were two minutes away from diverting the plan and headed to Austin based that on how much fuel they had sucked. left. And two minutes uh, to go, they were able and cleared to land in Houston. So again, they, they got through what was going to be a travel nightmare. Uh, logistically for everybody that plans that out weeks and months in advance. I'm thankful for them that everything worked out okay. Um, matchups we want to see. Is it as simple as we want to see Kansas City, um, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, and then Titans, Bengals? Like, is that the best football we would see? Kansas City, Buffalo, I think, I think chalk in this scenario would, on both sides – create some really good matchups. Um, the one that I really want to see and I hope happens is I hope Arizona beats the Rams on Monday Night Football and we get to see Arizona in Green Bay the mm. following week. That's a divisional game that I'd like to see because I still believe, I think, Hutton, you drafted them in our, our playoff yes. draft. I still believe Arizona has the pieces to win it all. They just collapsed late. That's what gives me pause is they were really bad at the end of the season and they're not playing their best football right now. But if you said, okay, here's the map for a team at every position group that could win a Super Bowl, I thought that from week one when they came to Nashville and stomped the Titans, they were the last unbeaten team. I still believe they're a team that could make some noise. So I'd like to see Arizona Green Bay in the divisional round. The Rams are also kind of limping in. It's an interesting four or five seed matchup on Monday night because the Rams, they won their division because Arizona lost, not because they beat San Francisco, right? I, I, and they've been limping in with turnovers. Stafford's been horrible at times and then great at times. 
Uh, but in the postseason, that's not going to win you games. It's enough to get you in the postseason. But in the playoffs, he has to be much better. And he hasn't been that guy. And, you know, they've been struggling with injuries and COVID and everything else with their run game. I, I'm fascinated by the, the matchup because we've seen the Rams win at Arizona and we've seen Arizona go on the road to win at L.A. in that game. I, I, I'm split on which team I, want to, I, I would prefer to see move on. I think it's Arizona to me, though. Yeah, I, I want the team that wins that, that musters it to win that game. Like you just said, whoever comes to Tennessee is hot yeah. because they found a way to win. So it sounds lame as hell Unless to say Pittsburgh. that. But the but team yeah. that finds a way to win that Cards-Rams game is then hot enough for me to feel like we'll put up the better resistance. I don't think in the divisional round, whoever goes to Green Bay is going to stand much of a chance. I think the team that's won two on the other side will then, you know, maybe pose a a challenge to Green Bay. I'm finding a hard time having faith in a lot of teams in the NFC. Um, Whereas the AFC, I feel a lot better. I, I think it's a much more of a scramble. So is it in the NFC, ultimately, do we want to see, like just as football fans, do we want to see the rematch in, in Lambeau of Tampa Bay Green Bay? No. I mean, I don't think Tampa Bay's as as strong now. With the weapons down, I know that Brady can make things work, but I think somebody's gonna emerge as as more I, I wanna talented. see it. I, I wanna see Aaron Rodgers to win his second Super Bowl having to vanquish Tom Brady after losing the year before in Green Bay. That, that's it would be LaFleur, not Rogers, trying that, to do that. That's, yeah, true. I don't think these Bucks. are I want to see Matt LaFleur have to vanquish his mortal enemy, Bruce Arians, <laughs> to get his first Super Bowl win. But I, that's a story that I'd be rooting for. Those two quarterbacks, what happened last year, back in Lambeau, with a chance for... I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been great. He's a mm. no-doubt Hall of Famer. He's won one Super Bowl, which that's what we were talking about with Brett Favre also. The one Super Bowl kind of hangs over... Uh, them, I think the second is what really, you know, elevates. it sounds funny it to say you in a ele- different level to elevate Aaron Rodgers, but it, it elevates Aaron Rodgers. And if it's Tom Brady standing in his way, sign me up. I it's see, good I, drama. I, I don't think it's a great game. So it would be, it would end up being. So if we want that to happen, the Bucks would be facing the Cowboys, right? Yes, or or the or the Forty ers Yeah. Well, no, if the 49ers win, the 49ers would be going to they Green Bay. They would go Green Bay, so and then, then we the would see Arizona. Would the Rams or the Cards. Yeah. We've talked about the wild card games we want to see. I want to go in reverse and tell you another wild card game I think is going to be a blowout on par with Pittsburgh, Kansas City. It's Tampa and Philadelphia. I think Tampa, I know by Vegas odds, it's a four-point difference. I think they're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. I think they win by two touchdowns. I don't think this is particularly close. Yeah, I between these two teams. I don't have that kind of faith in the Bucks at all. Don't you have a path for the Eagles to win that? Absolutely. I mean, what they've done, it, it, it's very similar if you look at their schedule. And again, they, it's not... Um, the Eagles didn't no, beat a lot of winners. No one's asking who you won against. It's what Did you do enough to get in the postseason? How'd you do it? But yeah, uh, again, they, they didn't face the, the opposite who's who. Of the they Titan didn't win. beat anyone over 500. They're the but, opposite of the Titans. Titans beat. Eight so, teams that are in the yes. playoffs or eight teams with winning records? Eight teams with winning records. But the the um, the thing about the Eagles is since they lost to Tampa earlier this year, it's a springboard much like we saw in Kansas City here 
where their defense over the last six games has uh, six or five or six games has allowed just I mean it's single digits and if it's double digits it's like ten points a game and they are by far leading the league running the football They're, they've been unstoppable running the football they've been averaging somewhere between 140 and 150 yards a game as a team. And that day against Tampa, the Tampa defense held them down to about 100 yards as a team. Tampa's defense got worse after that game. Philadelphia got better. And I think in the playoffs, Philadelphia's style travels. However, Jalen Hurts has been held out with a uh, bum ankle. And I don't know. I We won't know until game time if if he's legitimately ready to go or if there's any anything holding him back with his ankle. And if, if, if he's not the guy we've seen over the last month, then it's Tampa Bay in a blowout. If 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 Hertz is able to go and able to maneuver uh, the pocket and they have their run game humming because it it's been doing that, I think I think Philly is fully capable of going on the road and beating Tampa, especially uh, with the wide receiving core they're going to be defending. So the same reason that uh, over a month ago I said I picked the Eagles. This is a playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs. It's the same reason I'm going to say I'm not buying their defensive success because these are the last five or six games for Philly. The Giants twice, Washington twice, the Jets. They gave up 29 to the Saints seven games ago. They gave up 51 in a throwaway game to the Cowboys in the last week, which I don't count for anything in that one. I'm just not buying it. Yes, they gave up seven to the Giants, 10 to the Giants, 17 to Washington, 16 to Washington, and 18 to the Jets, that's fine. Those are bad offensive football teams. I, I think it's a mirage with the Eagles. They haven't beaten anyone. Well, I, I, I'm usually on board with that. I mean, I, I think that's totally fair thinking. We don't know what they would have done against somebody good on their schedule at that time. So that that's the beauty of this. We're but about to find out. Here's, here's, where, here's the game plan for Philly. They have to control the clock. And, and here's where they didn't do that against Tampa. Uh, so... They ran for at least 149 yards 10 times this season. So even in losses, they're controlling the clock. In the game against Tampa, Tampa ran 28 more plays than the Philadelphia offense did that day. That's not their game. And Tampa's going to win if that's the case. Philadelphia's defense is, to me, very similar to the 2019 Titans defense, which was this. And by the way, that Titans defense beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. They will allow completions. They'll allow you to move the football or they're going to hold you to field goals if you reach the red zone. You're not going to score. And I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of discussion that the wide receiving core is going to be okay for Brady. Uh, They're down Godwin and Antonio Brown, and forget what you like or don't. And Evans might not be himself. uh, I think the the difference for Tampa's offense can be Leonard Fournette, who is back. He appears back and healthy. That, That could be a game changer for them. But if... Philadelphia is able to play their style of game. This is no blowout. They may lose. This is no blowout because they they allow completions. Quarterbacks completed seventy percent of their passes uh, against this uh, this Philly defense. But again, look at the points they've allowed over this stretch. You can move it, but a lot of times you're not scoring. Big question there to me becomes how well do they cover Gronk? Because the wide receivers are one thing. But the tight end, who looked pretty healthy in getting his seventh catch in that game, uh, is is a variable. So we'll see what they do with him. I'm with you though. I don't I don't think it's a blowout by any means, uh, and I'm very curious there based on what we're saying. 
they beat bad teams. So let's see now what they can do against a a better team. But I I, I don't, I don't like Tom Brady with, uh, with all these nobodies. I know he'll complete passes, but it's not the same dynamic as Brown and Godwin by any. No, but what they've done is now they can go back to the run game with Blunt back. There's a reason at FanDuel, uh, he's the second leader among the odds of running backs to lead the league in the postseason in rushing yards. With Fournette? With Fournette, yeah. yeah. And what did I say? Uh, Leonard Blunt. Fournette. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Leonard that was a, Blunt, La, 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 a blast um, from the past. Yeah, I, was thinking, I was thinking New England. Um, or yeah. a blast from um, the past. Either one. Yes, uh, Fournette. Um, but look, it, the, the, the idea that... Who's above them? Well, they were just... I mean, they had the second fewest rushing attempts... In the NFL all year, Tampa's offense. They don't. They weren't trying to run and it. And they'll throw short. Yeah, they just throw short, and that was an extension of their run game. But now they can actually turn around and run it. But again, can can Tampa repeat the performance against Philly's defense of running 28 more plays um, than than what Philly's able to do? If they do, that's a sign that they stopped the run and that they were controlling the clock. I'm I'm interested in that game. I don't think it's a blowout. Um, other than Kansas City, I don't see. Uh, a game that just gets away from somebody. I don't think Dallas is blowing out San Francisco. That's a popular um, pop. The 49ers are very popular right now. Yeah, but I, I think Dallas's defense, and we'll get to our predictions later this week, but uh, initial thoughts, guys, I think Dallas's defense can treat Garoppolo the same way the Titans did. They can get to him with four. Uh, they can get to him with blitz packages. And that I, thumb, I think they're going to wreak havoc. That thumb is a factor. He's not himself. Uh, he was he was every bit of himself in the fourth quarter in overtime against the Rams. But uh, uh, over overall, he led it's like go- a twelve play drive and then a nine play drive in overtime. If you if you hit him there, uh, I, I'm saying it's going to be a factor at, at some point. I think he he was fantastic I in a win and get in scenario. I admit to not seeing that. Yeah, he was awesome. The, uh, now the they they trailed by. Double did. I think they trailed by 12. Maybe. 17, I think. Okay. It was 17 nothing. And, um, and yeah, they were 17 nothing. Came back. And that's the first time that Sean McVay has held a lead at halftime and lost. That That's crazy. Hey, shout out to Jawan Jennings, too, former Vol, who was huge in that game and scored the tying touchdown for San Francisco. Coming up, salt on the wound for Colts fans from Monday night. An observation next on Outkick 360. More NFL and college football discussion coming up on the Thursday edition of the show. Trey Wallace and Armando Salguero will be with us. Maybe some other guests as well. We're live each and every day from 6th and Peabody for Outkick 360. We are live at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick network. Um, Quick observation. Monday night, watching uh, coverage of the national championship game, Alabama-Georgia in Indianapolis. The day after the Colts have been eliminated, I mean, the, the city is on fire. You, we heard from Dan Dockich earlier uh, today in the, in the program about uh, the reaction there uh, to what happened with the Colts and Carson Wentz and everything that went down. Well, I couldn't help but think in watching pregame coverage and seeing RG3 uh, standing next to Andrew Luck, which I want to get to Andrew Luck, I, I wouldn't recognize now. <laughs> to me, it's salt in the wound of seeing the guy who retired on – the home turf who set in motion the terrible season of uh, general manager and coaching changes and everything that uh, 
well, he did. He was there. They made coaching changes. Then he retires abruptly right before the season, and they lead to it leads to a situation that they're in now. I, it's not the it's not all on luck. Like it's his prerogative to retire when he did and step away from the game. And I'm fascinated by that story, but seeing him on the sideline and. Uh, just watching him in Indianapolis, I can't help but think, what were Colts fans thinking seeing their guy, the anointed Andrew Luck, the most surefire number one overall pick uh, prior to Trevor Lawrence that we've seen in the NFL. Uh, In a great mood, hanging out on the sideline doing some pregame college football discussion for uh, Bama and Georgia while Indianapolis uh, Colts fans and were, were doing uh, probably listening to Sports Talk Radio uh, as people conducted interviews of players as they left the facility after cleaning out their locker. Probably on the very sideline he was standing on when the story broke that he was retiring during a preseason game. Yeah. Um, yeah Col- right. Colts fans have every right to be angry about this. I, I, I do not begrudge a fan base. Yes, it's his life. He can step away from the game whenever he wants. But I, I get tired of people saying – fans should not be angry about this. It's okay to be angry about that. If you are a diehard Colts fan and the timing of a decision by a player that's the franchise player for your organization, whatever, if there's some life-altering, life-threatening thing going on, yeah, you have no right to be angry if a guy steps away. Andrew Luck, both things are true. Andrew Luck has every right to retire and step away from the game whenever he doesn't want to play anymore. And Colts fans have every right to be angry at Andrew Luck for setting in motion this difficult situation they're in now with really an unwinnable Carson Wentz scenario, their draft scenario upcoming, and then blowing a chance at the playoffs on Sunday. It's the perfect storm to be miserable if you're a Colts fan. And oh, by the way, hard knocks. Conclusion tonight and with fans, the Colts in fans season. of his book club also have reason to be upset because uh, David Reed looked it up and apparently that thing's calmed down for the last year. So I'm sure he's wow. reading a lot, but he's not uh, he's not sharing. So he's reading up, but and not, he's and, and look, he's not reading. No he's not reading books about eating because he's not eating. I wouldn't well, recognize it's, him. It's not. I'm always amazed at guys who just stop playing professional sports. And stop eating. And stop. Well, just it, how small they get when you stop working out. You see it a lot. Look linemen go one of two ways, or right? Or you're not on a uh, not. You're not lifting weights anymore, so you just completely deflate. You don't know Chad this guy. Chad said that you can't, you can't hold it against him if there was something. Do we not know that there's something wrong with him? Like He looks like Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. He does. He may but be preparing for a role. Is he preparing for a role? Yeah, maybe he's uh, going to be Emerging in the sequel in for that. He does not look healthy. He, uh, according to, uh, I don't his, know that he looks unhealthy. He just looks thin. I think he looks unhealthy. That looks unhealthy. According to the, you, the his website, if you want to read along, though, he's currently reading A Year on the Killing Streets by David Simon. Wow, that is David Simon, the creator of The Wire. That's good. And uh, The Deuce, the, the former uh, journalist in Baltimore. The, the Colts, had the crime beat. The Colts have had time to get it right since his retirement. But, you know, the, the one area where I'll, I will step in and give the benefit of the doubt to the general manager and the head coach currently, the dockage is ripping, is right as they took over, they're going into a season and the quarterback of the division retires abruptly in the preseason. Well, look, it's hard to find the quarterback. We, we've, we know this. When you're, when you're middling, right, and the Colts have been at least middling, so if you're drafting 15th, 18th, you can't get the quarterback unless you give up the house to go up and get the quarterback. They've been unwilling to do that. 
and they've patchworked it. They should have drafted somebody in sync with Philip Rivers. That was their mistake. Well, they did. They drafted Jack. Well, Jake they should Brown. have drafted somebody good, higher. They drafted Jonathan Taylor. No, a, a, a quarterback. <laughs> a quarterback, a quarterback. You're well, again, like I, I your Philip Rivers plan had to have the back end. To you're it. not a big Sam Ellinger guy. No. Okay. Neither are they. Nope. Clearly not. And now uh, Fromm is in New York doing quarterback sneaks on second and nine. That was unbelievable. <laughs> and actually going through with it. Yeah. I would have fired him right there. Right, I, I didn't need the meetings. We are back at it uh, for QB the power. Thursday on edition. Three. Hope you'll join us. If you missed portions of the show, check the podcast for Outkick 360. Do not block the box, but do lock the locks.